Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Teacher, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now this interesting question was asked of Jesus only a few days after he arrived in Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. His entrance into into the city this time was a little bit bigger than his previous journeys to Jerusalem. You see, this time as he came in the gate, there was a crowd that was waving palm branches and they were shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And for everyone to hear, they couldn't miss it. And it would have been easy. I think it would have been anyway. It would have been easy for Jesus to have been lost in the moment. Lost in the crowd, shouting his name, lifting his praises, saying how great he is. We're not wrong. But Jesus knows that even in that moment, As he was going into the gate, he knows that the crowd will be shouting something different in only a few days. And ever since his arrival into the city this time, during what we now call Holy Week, during his arrival, the Pharisees have had their eyes on him like glue, watching every moment, every minute. What is he doing next? You see, in their eyes, in the teacher's eyes, Jesus is just unnecessary noise, especially with the current tension between Israel and Rome. The last thing we need is Jesus. And they together came up with the plan. Now, under Roman law, they can't actually do anything to Jesus, but they can't arrest him. And so they come up with a plan and said, we'll trick him so that way we can say blasphemy. We can make him say something that is blasphemous. At least that would get him in handcuffs and get him out of the way off the streets. And they knew exactly what would do the trick. Since Jesus was a teacher, they would use his own tactics against him. So when Jesus was doing just that, teaching outside of the temple, a large crowd had gathered around him. And he was teaching day after day, night after minute after minute, for his time was short. And he wanted everything to be said. And while he was teaching, a Pharisee, not just any Pharisee, but an expert on the law went into the crowd. Now, this is interesting. You see, even within the Pharisees themselves, there were those who knew the law better than others. 
This expert, as was deemed given to him, the title was given to him, this expert, you see, other Pharisees would, see, would sit under his teaching when he taught from the law. We want to know what you know, expert. Teach us what you know, expert. And so they sent this guy into the crowd. This guy knows it better than anybody else. And so he goes into the crowd while he was teaching and gathers the attention of Jesus. And he calls him teacher. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, it seems like a simple, honest question. I mean, really, Jesus, just tell us which law is the greatest. That's all I'm at. Tell us which one to focus on the most. Maybe tell us which law will get us even closer to heaven. But the Pharisee that asked this question, the expert who was asking this question, was not looking for an answer. You see, there were 613 different laws that made up the law of Moses. 613. If Jesus was to go on record saying that any one law was greater than the other, they would have what they need for blasphemy. And then they would have cause for arrest. And so when the teacher, when the expert asked, which is the greatest commandment, the crowd then turned their eyes off of him and over to Jesus. They, the crowd, knew what was on the line. They knew what happens next if he answers the question. And so did Jesus. But instead of responding in anger, instead of, instead of responding in silence, oh, I see what you're doing. Nice try. But instead of playing that, Jesus responds. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And to the crowd's surprise, as soon as Jesus spoke these words, the expert who asked the question didn't respond with blasphemy. According to Mark, the expert responded with a change of heart. He says to Jesus, you are right, teacher. There is only one God who deserves all of those things. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices we offer. And then Jesus, looking into the eyes of the expert, says, you are now closer to the kingdom of God than ever before. 
Let's pray. Father, we pray now that as we dive into the scripture today, Lord, let your truth be told. Let your gospel be heard. Father, I pray that in my study, if I studied it wrong, if I interpreted it wrong, then Lord, give the thought and the the voice on my tongue to say it right. That God, I only preach your truth. And that Father, that today we hear maybe stories we've heard before, but like an onion with layers, reveals something to us new, including me. So Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. All right, I was just checking to see if you're with me now. Okay, that's good. And Andrew, thank you for that testimony. I'm going to work on the go dogs part, but I like everything else you said. (laughs) I really like that. One day, maybe I'll come around, maybe one day. But I want to just say thank you for taking the courage to come and stand on a platform like this and share what God's doing in your life. And may all of us, including myself, have that type of courage to do that and maybe make some phone calls in the near future. And I just want to say to all of you, it is good to see your smiling faces and your eyes and your, I'm trying to try, the lights are, there we go, now I see, there you are. Look at this. You guys look good. Yeah. You awake? Uh, four of you are. That's all I need. So, and, you know, the rest of you guys can just, you know, tune in afterward, I guess. Huh? But let me just say what we're still, we're still in the middle, we're, we're still going through our, our series, preparing for holiness. Now, my wife had uh, in, the, in the meeting before service, she had mentioned that we were at officers' councils this last week. So we've been gone all week and just got back. But our guest for this week was Bill and Diane Urie. And so we really had, and I've said under his teachings before and her teachings before, but really put us in a mind frame, really in a heart on what we're going to be experiencing in just a month's time. And so be sure that if you're able to be here for that holiness retreat, they have approached us and said they are excited to be there. I even, try, I even brought them all the way from Gwinnett a magnet to put on their fridge. <laughs> I said, don't forget you're coming. You're the guest. Here's your pictures. They thought, oh my goodness, there's a, they have us on their refrigerators? <laughs> so yes, this we do. <clears throat> but for those of you that maybe haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, We've been, so far, we've actually been journeying through, really, the, the chronological, the historical sense of the word of holiness to prepare us for that weekend and what's to come. And the last two Sundays, we have been looking at the Old Testament. You know, we started the very first one and, and looking and really seeing holiness as, not really defined, but at, is, holiness is the power and authority of God. And so we saw that through the burning bush. That, that, like, you, we can't do that. We can't make bushes burn and speak from them. But the power and authority of God can do that. And we see that through Moses. And then we saw last week that, that holiness, even though it is power and authority, we also saw that holiness is atoning. It brings things that are apart together. It brought a holy God and a sinful creature like us together. And we saw that when the seraphim flew down from the throne 
and placed a hot coal on Isaiah's lips. You are now atoned. And we see that there. And I'm going to tell you, as I was writing this particular message and I was studying the scripture that was read a moment ago, that I think it, I think it'd be easy. Holiness can be easily written off as an Old Testament sentiment. That that's how it used to be. That's how, that's how God used to show his glory in the old days. It's through these magnificent, miraculous acts that when we read the Old Testament, we just, I don't know about you, but even at times I read the Old Testament and say, can you just do that again? Can you just show us again? Can you remind us? Can you, can you, can you be the burning bush again? Can you do this? And, and I've read this through the Bible. I've done the same thing. Can you do this again? And, and we see, that, and in the Old Testament, is that at least, at least one of the way I've read it here, is that he showed his glory, his power, like really himself in a way that maybe we haven't seen in the modern church era of today. Are we, we, maybe, maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe here we see, he, we see in the Old Testament that God has created the earth. We see that he, has, he sent the flood rains, that he sent the plagues, that he met his people regularly through just miraculous ways. He fought battles on their behalf. God in the Old Testament was present, and there was no one to die in him. And perhaps, perhaps we of us in the New Testament and the church today, we could argue that it would be easy, it would be easy to accept a life of holiness if we were witness to all of that. If we can see just a, just a percent of what the Old Testament saw, then perhaps a life of holiness would be easier to obtain. But I want to tell you now that in that same Old Testament that I've read is that that is not the truth. Because what I see is that generation after generation, regardless of seeing God's power firsthand, being present when the pillar of fire was leading them out of the desert, seeing God's presence, what I read is that they have rebelled. They ignored, they separated, they divided each other, they cursed, and they often removed God from their life after seeing after seeing. And so when I, when I, it's a lie. It has to be a lie to think that holiness is only an Old Testament success story. It's not. That this, that holiness, that it was for a different time. That it was, that was, it was for a time of, for people who understood it. Who gets it? That's what that's who holiness is for those people. That's who it's for. Well, well, Captain, how do you know that? How can I stand here and just so so confidently saying? How can you be so sure that holiness is for us today? Well, I know. I know it to be true because my Bible, my scripture, it tells me that God knew the direction the world was heading. And he decided to do something about it. 
that God knew that already from the, court, from the from turning of the pages from the Old to the New Testament, that he knew that we could not do it. That we were lost. We, to be quite honest with you, we were heading toward death. We're heading toward death. And God, my God, the one that I read in Scripture, decided to do something about it. He didn't use a burning bush this time. He didn't use a pillar of fire for us to follow and say, here, let me show you this way. He didn't didn't have a seraphim come down with a hot coal and place it on all of our lips. Instead, he gave us something different, something else. He gave us someone else. Like the seraphim that we studied in Isaiah chapter 6 just last week, who stepped down to Isaiah, God sent down his son who stepped off his throne to do two simple things Jesus has come to save and to sanctify to save and to sanctify we cannot forget that sanctification is a part of Christ's life that's a part of following him is sanctification. Then, then, as John writes it down in the first chapter, then we read that the Word became flesh. And when He was in flesh, when He was standing on this earth that you and I are standing on now, when God stepped down from the throne to become flesh, to save and then to sanctify, We find, Jesus finds, that man has made it complicated to follow God. That we have done, man, us, have taken his commands, his laws, and have made them complicated. We've made it complicated to follow Jesus. Man, particularly right now, when we read this in the Gospels, is that man is not using the laws, the commands of God. They're not using them to be holy as they were written, but to use them to bring shame on other people. That's what we were reading in the scriptures. And that man was removing all grace, all love, all compassion completely from the equation. And God, or here particularly when we read in the Gospels, that God has become nothing more than a checklist of rules and regulations. And Jesus here in the Gospels is saying, you've missed it. No, you've missed it. That's not him. He's not the legalistic God that you have put all of your stake in. That's not him. Man has become obsessed with following the law that Jesus is trying to get our attention and saying the law will not set you free. Only I can. Only I can. The law said to rest on the Sabbath. Yet Jesus on the Sabbath performed multiple healings. The law said that you could not touch a person with leprosy. Yet not only do we see him touch but and embrace those with this disease. The law said that an unfaithful woman needed to be stoned to death. Yet Jesus stops the crowd from casting the first stone. And the religious God-honoring people 
didn't like this. Oh no. They thought Jesus was trying to throw out the law, to throw out tradition, to throw out what is comfortable. Man has been able, we have been able to take the law, to take God's and Christ's commands and to create a society that we're comfortable with. And here, it gets to the point, when we read in the scriptures, when we read in the gospels, it actually gets to the point that Jesus needs to address it. He needs to now talk about this. Because the, the, gospel, the, the gossip mills are running across, going, this guy, he's not the Messiah. He's here to actually throw out the laws. And the Pharisees are losing their minds. We have law and order, and you're taking it away from us. And so now we see here, particularly in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, is that Jesus needs to address this issue. He needs to make some things a little clear. And so with the crowd there in front of him, he speaks to them. And he says, I know what it looks like. I know what you're thinking. But listen to me. I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Not a single letter in the law will be changed until the Father says it's time. And by addressing the crowd, by saying these words, it is here in Matthew that we find Jesus introducing this new balance. A balance is being offered. The balance between God's commands and God's grace. Oh, I'm hoping the Pharisees don't come after me here, so give me a minute. But Jesus, I'm going to say, is that Jesus, he makes it clear, very clear in Matthew, that he does not oppose the law. He wasn't saying that God got it wrong the first time, and I'm here to make it right. I'm coming to actually do it right. Jesus is clarifying that he is not here to destroy it, but to free it from the way the Pharisees were enforcing it. The way they were enforcing the law. And Jesus is acknowledging that, and here's what's happening, is that Jesus is acknowledging just by this statement alone that he's here to fulfill the law or fulfill it, he's acknowledging that he is above the law, that, that he can speak authority over the law, that he can define the law. This is why he can fulfill the law. And what does that look like? I don't know about you, but for me, I always thought one of this scripture is, what does it look like to fulfill the law? And maybe we can look back and, and look at even our own laws in, the, in this country through, through the legislative process and how a law becomes a law. And then you have to have an executive branch to enforce the law, right? At least that's how it should work. We enforce the law. And then, but they make the laws. This guy over here enforces the law. 
And we see that this process here is being, is being lived out through the life of Christ, fulfilling the law. And so what does that look like? What does that look for him? Well, he does it, at least the way I've read it, the way I've, I've studied it, he does it by doing the one thing that man has never done since the law was originally given to Moses. He's done it. Only one person had ever actually done this since the law was written. And when I read it, he was the only person who perfectly obeyed the laws. Perfect obedience. In all of the scripture, he didn't break the law. Because he is the law. He is the law. Have you always wondered what the law of, maybe what law number 265 looked like? Well, look to Jesus. Always had trouble with law 345? Look to Jesus. Maybe you're not quite too sure if 512 was achievable. Look to Jesus. But maybe we're not sure we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Maybe we have trouble loving our enemies. Or perhaps we have a problem with judging others. Look to Jesus. And I want you to notice. I want you to notice that he did not, not one time, not a single time, did Jesus change the law. He never changed it. He didn't say that the law was too hard or that it represented a different time or that they were outdated rules. So I'm here to make them new and fresh for today's context. He actually didn't change the law to please the current crowd, to fit them into modern day cultural expectations. Jesus didn't come to free us from the law itself, but from how hard our hearts have become toward them. That's what he's freeing us from. He's not coming, Jesus did not come to sprinkle grace over us and say, now live as you please. That's not Christ. And we'd be foolish to think it was. Because if we live life under the single thought that I'm under grace and I know he will always love and forgive, then you, my friends, and I'm talking to those in the church, we're lying. We're sinning. For God did not come to give us a blank check. But what he did do is he came to free our hardened hearts. That when we, when we even think about our, our, our relationship with God or with Christ, that when we look at this, when we look at the laws and we say, I can't do that. I can't do any of this. Well, that's the point. Is that through Christ, we can. That this through the law, through him fulfilling it, means we can. And so Jesus here, he did not save us so that we can live a life of sin. But he saved us so that we 
can be free from it. And so when we give, at least, at least I think, uh, I mean, when I, when I, in my personal experience in my own heart, is that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we actually give our lives to him, all of God's commands are then imprinted onto our hearts. And they become a part of our DNA. Commands are then And then, I think, then when that happens, you and I know, you and I can clearly see sin for what it is because we're no longer blind. Now, I know what you're thinking. What does this guy have to do anything with holiness? I thought we were in a holiness series. It has everything to do with it. When Jesus fulfilled the law, he paved a path in which we, you and I, have to simply do two things. Love God and love others. This is what he did for you and I. You want to know what holiness is? Holiness is following Jesus. That's it. It's following Jesus. I mean, the next time you want to speak behind somebody's back, slander or gossip, follow Jesus. The next time you think that, the, that this little bitty tiny thing won't hurt anyone, follow Jesus. The next time you want to browse certain sites after the family has gone to bed, follow Jesus. That's holiness. It's keeping your eyes on him and all of life's daily trials. This is what holiness looks like. Holiness is not a prize that we all get when we go home to glory. Holiness isn't something you get a degree in or a denomination that you just associate yourself with. Holiness is following Jesus, following him. And it will never, ever steer you wrong. It will make you uncomfortable. But we know, not just throughout biblical history, but even world history, is that sometimes when something makes us uncomfortable, prosperity is not far behind. In the life of Christ, following him, by, come, by going through the uncomfortable moments of actually the refining, allowing the coal to touch your lips, you will notice that it's not the pain that you'll be talking about for the rest of your life, but the freedom on which Christ gives you. Just like Andrew, who gave his testimony, it was the freedom he wants to call everybody about. Friends, you and I, particularly guys like me, we've made it real complicated to follow Jesus, up here with teaching and being smart and all that. But I'm going to tell you, follow him before you ever follow me. Know him. Love Jesus. If I can help you get there, I will. 
but I'd rather you trust him than ever you trust me. Because we tend to make it complicated to do the one thing he came to set us free for. Love him. Love Jesus. And the one thing I do want to say over you is that sin does not have ownership over you. Sin does not have authority over you. You are a child of God, created in his image, which is an image of holiness. Holiness. But I want to ask for you to follow Jesus. That's all I care about. Follow him. If you have anything to clean out, clean it out. If anything that needs to be prayed over, pray over it. Pray in your seat. Pray up here on the altar. Grab a friend and say, will you pray for me? Help me break this. Maybe, and this is something I know all of us have. Maybe there's someone in our lives right now who isn't free, who doesn't know Christ. Pray for them. Follow Jesus. Because we believe in prayer. We believe in him. And so this morning, follow Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless. Thank you.